First Peter 1, 3 through 5, it, said, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, my name is Pastor Chris. Uh, really happy uh, to be with you and to just to open up God's Word together. Uh, we actually started a new teaching series through the first uh, letter of Peter, uh, First Peter as we call it. And this letter is a letter of hope. It's written to a group of Christians who just feel like citizens of another world, uh, out of place uh, in their own place and time. And I think that that's something that we can all resonate with this year. Uh, and so uh, what I'd love to do is to carry on, pick up just in verse 3, uh, where we left off last week, uh, and really dig more into this idea of hope. What does it mean uh, to have resilient hope? And where does that come from? What does that hope sort of weave its way into? And so uh, this, this morning, I want you to see that Peter continues to encourage them with a message of hope and how that hope is a living hope that is woven into our past, our present, and our future. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll go ahead and get started, all right? Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, just every single person who is uh, tuning in and, and listening or watching uh, right now as we, um, as we begin walking through God's Word together. Um, Lord, we know that your Word, your Scriptures are powerful, are uh, 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 relevant, are able to speak uh, just hope and meaning and purpose into our lives. Um, God, regardless of why we chose to, to tune in this morning, uh, I pray that you would have your way uh, with our hearts and minds through this passage of scriptures. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so go ahead and uh, open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Picking up in verse 3, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it uh, and, and then walk you through it. So he says right there in, in the beginning of verse 3, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now just a, a quick note on this first prayer or benediction that we see there uh, in the beginning of verse 3, when, when Peter just gushes forth and prays, saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is significant because remember, he is about to write this entire letter in order to speak hope to uh, a group of Christians that are feeling quite hopeless. They're feeling out of sorts. And so before he even gets into encouraging them, before he gets into uh, 
telling them uh, how they should uh, live and represent the faith uh, in, in the midst of their trials and troubles. Before he gets into that, which he eventually does, he begins by gushing forth in praise. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's what he's what he's uh, 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 sort of um, what he's tapping into is this this truth that uh, even though they're kind of tucked away and and found in this remote uh, sort of out of the way places, uh, they have now by Peter's prayer, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By that prayer, they've been reminded that that just with a short benediction, just with a short prayer, they can stand in the presence of the God who is near to them. They can stand in the presence of the God who is close to them, who cares for them, who loves them, who has loved them, and who will always love them. And that should speak uh, uh, just a, a word of encouragement to us because just in the same way uh, that through prayer, those old saints could stand in the presence of God, so can you and I, right? Like when we pray, when we praise God, when we uh, pray to him, uh, he, we, he, his ear draws near to us. And it's almost like when, uh, as I think it's David Helm who says, uh, when you bless God, it's like you're coming home, right? And so Peter reminds them uh, that when you gush forth in praise and in prayer, uh, you're reminding yourself, you're aligning yourself with what and who really matters, and so before he gets them, it gets into this entire letter of encouragement. He starts with that benediction. Now let's continue reading. He says, according to his great mercy, according to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ <clears throat> from the dead. I want us to stop right there. I want you to see uh, the, our first point is that we have a hope that is woven into our past. This hope, this resilient hope that we get from Christ is woven into our past. And so you've, you've probably heard uh, that phrase, born again, before, right? We read it right there in, in, in verse uh, 3. He says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Every Christian is in is in a very real sense described as being born again. As a matter of fact, Jesus was once talking to a man named Nicodemus. He was one of the religious elites at the time uh, that was kind of following Jesus from afar at a distance, uh, trying to, to make sense of him, like, who is this Jesus character? And then in one moment, he, he, he decides he's going to be brave and bold. He's not going to follow Jesus from afar, but he's just going to approach him. And he asks Jesus, he says, hey, Jesus, uh, can you tell me what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to have true life? What does it mean to be saved? And you know what Jesus' response was? He says, look, if you want any part in me, if you want to be saved, you need to be born again. 
That's his way of saying, look, you need, need to be made entirely new. You need a new mind, a new heart, a new spiritual nature. Uh, you need to be born again. <clears throat> That's the picture that we have in, in that passage and here in 1 Peter 1, is that to be born again is to be born into a new life with Jesus. It's like this, like we all have a physical birth, right? Like we celebrate it every single year on our birthday. We all have a physical birth. But here, what we're talking about is a new spiritual birth, uh, being born anew. The idea here is that we all need saving. But what we need saving from is not so much what's out there. What we need saving from is what's in here. The sin nature that we're born with, uh, the sinful uh, uh, sort of characteristics that we take on throughout our life. Every single one of us knows that, uh, has this sense that we are flawed and tainted and imperfect. The Bible uh, talks about the sin nature that we have. We, we, there are sins of commission. In other words, the evil and wicked things that we end up doing or thinking. And then there's sins of omission, uh, or which is like the good and righteous things that we fail to do. All of those uh, things uh, are reasons that we need saving. The Bible says that we are all physically born into that state. We're all physically born as sinful creatures who have fallen short of God's glory. And all that we do, all that we think, and just all that we are. You don't have to be a person of faith to know that something is deeply wrong with our human nature. Your brokenness, your sins, your past, when you, when you dwell on it, when you acknowledge it, that can really suffocate our hope. That can suffocate any sense of hopefulness that we might have. It's like that old classic story of uh, Macbeth with Shakespeare. Uh, if you read it, you know that in the play's most famous scene, uh, Lady Macbeth, who is a woman who plotted to murder the King of Scotland. And she uh, finds herself uh, one night just sleepwalking around. And her husband sees her while she's sleepwalking. And she, she starts uh, mumbling and just bending over and like rubbing her hands in this attempt to cleanse herself from, uh, from this uh, grime on her hand. Uh, this, and, and, and she keeps saying uh, out loud while she's sleepwalking, she keeps saying, out! damn spot out out damn spot uh she's just haunted by this i this uh by her own sinful nature just this plot that she made to to murder the king the king of scotland uh the sin that they've committed she's haunted by it and 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 it just follows her around to the point where she's uh, uh just even thinking about it and haunted by it in her in her own sleep and she just goes to town on this blood stain on her hand that's just a figment of her imagination. But what we see is that her guilt is driving her insane. That spot that she talks about is just a picture of her guilt. And Lady Macbeth uh, in Shakespeare's play is a picture of humanity. We're haunted by our sinfulness. We're haunted by our unrighteousness. We were created 
Humanity was originally created to be clean and pure uh, in the garden. Uh, but then when sin entered humanity, uh, uh, it, it tainted us, right? No longer are we like a pure and clean glass of water. Uh, it's like uh, putting a drop of food coloring in it. And uh, if you've ever seen this, you know that it starts off small, uh, but then it spreads and starts to make its way into everything to where the whole glass is filled. That's what's happened to creation. God created everything. He created it good. It was perfect until sin entered the world. And it might have looked small at first, but eventually it's made its way into everything. Uh, chief of all, the human heart. And Jesus gives us a hope that is woven into and reaches into our past and saves us from ourselves. Saves us, saves us from the sin that we were born with, the sinful nature we were born with. Saves us from the sins that we've committed. Uh, and Peter says that it's according to this great mercy, to his great mercy, God's great mercy, that we have been born again by the power of the resurrection. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that we need to be born again? Have you ever asked yourself just personally, why is it that I had to be born again? The Bible tells us that we need that new birth because apart from Jesus, we are all spiritually dead. I, I, man, I just want you to, to just reckon with that truth, that apart from Christ, apart from his grace, we are all spiritually dead. We're not just morally impure. We're not just lost. We're not just ignorant. We are spiritually dead totally depraved and unable to respond to the truth of God's word. And that's why we're desperate in desperate need of, 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 of what? Of hope, of a living hope. And it's in that yearning for hope that God has sent Jesus, his son, to die, to suffer, and to experience the weight of all evil and the judgment against sin in our place on the cross. Do you see the glory of your new birth? Man, do, 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 do just, can you taste the glory of what it means to be born again? As, as, as uh, Paul says, uh, that we are all uh, made new in Christ. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to try and remember um, what it was like uh, before you were made new. And how you used to think that the things of God were just a complete waste of time. Uh, that you used to think that the scriptures were just a, a dusty old book uh, that uh, should never be opened. Right? That you, whenever you found yourself around Christian fellowship or community, you were just bored out of your mind. But then God did something. Right? He gave you a, a new heart that desires the things of him. He gave you a new mind that starts thinking differently uh, about the world and about our nature. Uh, and then you start to almost walk and talk differently, to walk in a newness of life, as we say. Uh, I love the way that John Piper describes this. He says, God's spirit opens the eyes of our heart 
And what was once boring or absurd or foolish or mythical is now self-evidently real. You can pray and ask God for that miracle. I ask daily for fresh eyes for his glory. Man, I love that humble admission. Maybe you've kind of lost sight of the beauty and glory of the new birth. I mean, if that's you this morning, I want to challenge you to ask God for that miracle, to open your eyes to the miracle of your new birth. And just like Dr. Piper here, ask daily for fresh eyes to see his glory. Now, moving on, we also see that this hope, this resilient hope is woven into our present, our present. He says, and continuing in verse three, he says, we're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I want you to notice how he describes hope. He calls it a living hope, a living hope. In other words, it's a hope that is alive. It's alive. I want you to think about what it means for something to be alive, to be living, when we use that word uh, a living, uh, what, we're, what we mean is about something that has like some sense of vitality, something that breathes, something that grows, that thrives, that flourishes, that bears fruit, right? Uh, that learns how to walk or to, to, to move and to travel. Like this is what it means for something to be alive. But often when we speak of hope, we don't, we don't think of, of a hope being alive. We think of hope being like per chance, right? We think of be, hope as, as a matter of chance. Like, man, I hope that my team makes it to the finals. I hope this relationship finally works out. I hope this new job will work out. I hope I get that raise, right? Like, uh, I hope this sermon's not going to last too long, right? Like, maybe you're hoping that this morning. Sorry to say, those are, that's still a matter of chance, right? Like these are all matters of, of chance. Like you don't know for sure. But look, hope in God is not a hope that's sketchy, a hope that keeps you wondering, a hope that's left to chance. No, hope in God through Jesus Christ is living. It's alive. Living hope in God is a, is a confidence that God is good, that he's faithful, that he's true, that he's sovereign, and that he will accomplish all that he says he will, and that his love never fails. You see, this, this living hope should inform the way that we view our present circumstances, regardless of what we're going through. Regardless of what we're dealing with, regardless of what we're walking through, our hope is alive. It's not left up to chance. It's living. It grows. It breathes. It thrives. It flourishes. Now notice this. He says that this living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, this hope is risen and alive today. As good as Jesus is risen and alive, this hope is risen and alive. I want you to ask, where is Jesus right now? Where is Jesus? 
If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in him, you know he is alive and risen. He's no longer in the grave. He's ascended on high. In that same way, your hope is alive in the fullest sense of that word. I love the way that the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright describes just the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. He says, Jesus had gone on through death and out into the world, into a new creation, a new life beyond, where death itself had been defeated and life, sheer life, life in all its fullness could begin at last. Man, I love that. You see, that's the invitation. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the invitation isn't to to give up the life that you love, but to find a new life that you'll love even more, a fuller life, a truer life, sheer life. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then, then man, are you standing in the stream of that living hope? Are you claiming that reality, that fullness of life that is available uh, to you and has been available since the resurrection of Jesus? <clears throat> Look, here's the hard truth uh, that we need uh, to acknowledge this moment is that every other thing that we place our hope in, everything that we run to, for hope is a dead hope. All other hopes are dead. Whether that's you look for your identity or for your hope in your possessions, or maybe in, 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 a, in a place, or in a certain group of people, or a single person, or a new position uh, in your vocation or in the culture, all of those things, possessions, places, people, uh, uh, positions, those can be taken away at any point in time. Those can all fade away. You know what never fades? You know what never goes away? Jesus. He is risen. He is ascended. He is sovereign king, the savior king, who is alive and well, and he offers us living hope today. A hope that is woven not just into our past, but very much so into our present. And lastly, we also have a living hope that is woven into our future. A hope that is woven into our future. We read about this in verse four and five. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, when is this last time that uh, Peter's speaking about? This last time he refers to is the time that Jesus will return, what we call his second coming. And you see, the Bible tells us that when Jesus returns, all evil, all suffering, all death will be fully swallowed up and his victory will be over, over all of those things will be finalized. <laughs> now look, we live in what theologians call the now and the not yet. In other words, we have a hope that is available to us now. 
right? Because Jesus came and died for our sins and rose from the grave. There's a sense in which right now we can experience the kingdom of God through participation in the local church, through mission uh, in spreading that hope uh, to the world, to the ends of the earth. Like we can participate in the kingdom. The kingdom has come, but it hasn't been fully realized. There's still a sense in which the kingdom of God is still not yet. There are elements of God or of Jesus's coming and what he came to accomplish in making all things new that has not yet been completed. Verse four, Peter calls this an inheritance. An inheritance, it's something that is promised to us. It's something that is secured for us, paid for in full. And that inheritance, that future hope, uh, Peter says, is imperishable, meaning it can't grow old. It is undefiled. In other words, nobody can taint it or stain it. It is unfading. In other words, it lasts and lasts and lasts and it only gets better day after day. Look, no matter what it is that you're dealing with, no matter what it is you're wrestling with or struggling with, even if you're on your deathbed, uh, looking, uh, looking at death itself just right around the corner, regardless of what your temporal circumstances are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have that inheritance secured for you, and you can be rest assured that you are moving towards future glory. Look, there is a day and a time where you will experience and see and be able to to taste the hope and glory of Christ in all of its fullness. And every dark thing that you've ever experienced, any bad thing that's ever happened to you, any bad thing you've ever done, everything, anything like that that you've ever seen or experienced or committed will be gone, swallowed up in full. No record of it, no fallback from it, no repercussions from it. I want you to see the good news here in verse 5 when he says, that we by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. Now that Greek word that Peter uses for for guarded is the Greek word phureo, phureo, uh, which is sort of like an old military term at the time uh, that gives us this this image of like a well. Now when Peter uses that word that word guarded. Uh, the original Greek word uh, that he wrote is, is the word phureo, phureo, uh, which is, gives us this image. Uh, it's a military term that gives us this image of like a well-guarded fortress. Uh, that's how he decides to describe the strength of God. He says it's like a well-guarded fortress. In other words, this hope is being guarded by God like a well-guarded fortress. There's no threat that can come in uh, that shouldn't be there. And there's nothing in there that, that can, can make its way, that's supposed to be there, that, that can make its way out. 
Uh, I mean, his audience, his readers, Peter's readers, when they when they hear that word, they would have all these images from like their common history of of how God was their faithful one, uh, their refuge and strength, their great fortress. We see God described as that time and time again throughout the Psalms. And so they, they are reminded of the power of God. Uh, and when he used that word, they remember their redemptive history, how God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God, the one who spoke through the prophet Moses, God, the one who uh, 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 ruled them through King David. This great, strong Savior God is guarding their hope until the day Jesus returns. That same God is the God that is guarding us for that day, guarding our hope for that day. So man, I want you to call back to your redemptive history, what God has saved you from, how he has made you new. Look at our shared redemptive history and all God has done through the Old Testament and the New Testament, how he's preserved his church for the last 2,000 years over many cultures, many languages, many nations, many continents many classes, many people that here in the 21st century in the Saddleback Valley or through technology like this, wherever it is that you're streaming in from, to say that this hope that has endured, this hope that has spoken to and preserved God's people time and time again, that hope that is clearly alive, that breathes and thrives and flourishes in even uh, the most pressing of and daunting of circumstances, that hope is available for us and it is being guarded by God. It has been guarded by the strength of God and it continues to be guarded by the strength of God. Look, you might be thinking when you look at your troubles, uh, when you look at your insecurities and your concerns, you might be thinking like, man, I don't, I don't feel like I have the strength for this. And the point in this passage, the encouragement from this passage is to say, yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't have the strength for this, but God does. And he's with you. He's for you. You don't have the strength, but God is guarding you for that day. And his strength is a strength that you can always count on. You see, in Christ you and I, we've been promised a future hope, an inheritance. Even, even death won't hold us down. No global pandemic will hold us down. No failing economy will hold us down. Regardless of who wins whatever election, we will never be held down. Our hope, our eternal hope, is always going to be secure. You are made new, like that clean glass of water. Remember the good word from this passage of Scripture, that through Christ you have a living hope. 
you have a living hope that is woven into the very fabric of your being, a living hope that is woven into your past, into your present, and will go on into your future. The risen and living Jesus has secured this hope for you. He's secured for us an eternal future where there will be no more groanings for hope, no more grieving over death, no more guilt for our sin. And all that is broken, all that is stained, all that is fallen in this world will be no more. And all will be made new. Amen. I want to close our time by reading a verse from one of my favorite songs. It's called Made Alive by uh, the band uh, Citizens up in Seattle. Uh, and in, in this, this song, Made Alive, is about uh, just the beauty of the new birth. And it invites us uh, to claim uh, and live out uh, that hope and that beauty. And in one of those verses, they sing this great prayer. They say, Lord... You are the light that broke the darkness. You satisfy my soul when I am heartless. If ever I forget my true identity, show me who I am and help me to believe. And I want us to meditate on those words and make it our own prayer. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.